Welcome to this extended episode of the Down the Pub podcast. My name is Anthony Abbott and I am the host of the Down the Pub podcast. In the first part of the show, Carlos and I are joined by new wanderer and all-around nice guy, Mario Restrepo. In part two, Carlos, Chris and I are joined by highly famous athlete and Super Wanderers fan, Jack Murray. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you get notified of any new episodes that we have available. Now on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of Down the Pub Podcast. Uh, we are joined by new Halifax Wanderers defender, Mario Restrepo. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mario. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're also joined by Carlos Benitez, um, great friend of the show. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Carlos. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Mateo, thank you very much for coming to Down the Pod. Yeah, no worries. Um, so first question I have for you is uh, what attracted you to sign for Halifax? So I, I had been following Halifax um, from the beginning in terms of I, I had been following a lot of the CPL teams just because I was curious. You know, I'm, I grew up in Toronto and I was curious about the league and how it was going to develop. So and I had a few friends at Halifax. So I did. I watched a few of their games and I I mean, I saw how the community was completely behind them and and how much love and support they got from from the Halifax people so I was you know I was very intrigued by that um I was also intrigued by the management and the players that they were bringing in as well I thought it was an interesting project so um I thought it was a great place for me to develop my football and and to grow so did you get a chance to watch many uh CPL games last year and what was your impression of the league yeah, no, I did. I so I played with with a bunch of the guys on the national team and on Toronto FC. Uh, so I was curious as to how they were going to do their teams, and I was just curious in general because you know it's an exciting thing for Canada, and been I've been part of the soccer system here. I guess you can call it for over you know my whole life pretty much. So um, so yeah, I did. I, I watched a, a lot of the games from every single team, really. Um, and I was I was very very surprised by the level. Um, I had faith, obviously, because I knew the quality and the players that I had played with. So I knew they had a lot of quality. But uh, you know, watching it being put together and watching some of the games, I was like, wow! Like you know, they're building something special here. Like this is a great start for the league, and I saw a lot of positives. So, so as a, uh, a Canadian player, like. Um... Like, how awesome is it that you have a professional league in your own country now that you can kind of be proud of and you've got, like, another avenue for your career? Oh, I, I mean, I think it's great. I think it was the next step towards uh, developing the game in this country. Um, I, I wish I was, you know, 10 years younger maybe so that I could, you know, grow up, grow up with those aspirations because, you know, growing up, it was either you join one of the MLS teams or you know, you're kind of stuck in the provincial um, or like the regional leagues here and there. So the structure, you know, they, they did their best, but without that professional stamp, without that um, visual uh, organization, I guess you can call it, um, to aspire to, you were really just trying to look outside of Canada to, to develop your game right so i think the fact that we have that now is is great especially for the people that are coming up through the ranks mateo uh you mentioned something that uh really caught my attention uh, you were intrigued by the management of the club which it's pretty outstanding 
tell us what was uh, that aspect that impressed you the most from the management of the house? Well, to be honest, um, Halifax was re really patient with me, um, and they they showed me support even before I signed. Uh, yeah, so I was I was playing down there at UCSB, and I was on scholarship, um, and that's when they initially showed their interest. Um, but I couldn't sign or anything for you know two three months because if I did, I would lose my scholarship because you're not allowed to be under a professional contract. So they said, you know, listen, like we completely support you. We know, like you know, you've been grinding away to get this degree for the last four years. Um, we're going to support you in this project and we'll give you some time. So they gave me, so I was like, okay, like, you know, it seems like they really actually care about my, my own well-being and, and my future. That was the first, that was the first part. Um, the second part was just, you know, dealing with the manager, dealing with the coach, seeing his level of detail and their level of detail and their level of, uh, uh, I guess, care for, for the players or for me. Um, from the jump was just was just phenomenal um, and they also like I couldn't come into training camp right away because I was finishing up my, my semester over there and they were like you know what like we completely understand like finish this off I'm a pre-med med student over there so you know I valued school quite quite highly so they're like we completely understand like we'll work with you and uh, you know we'll, we'll find a way to achieve to, to, to find some common ground so that we can achieve what we want to achieve with you and, and the club. So just, just from the start, they've been really good to me, you know? That's great. Um, following up with that question, um, you're a med student. What, um, I think it's a uh, molecular biology that you're studying, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was studying study molecular biology. How do you choose that? Um, that's interesting. <laughs> um, so, my entire life, like I've, I've been, you know, I've, I've had that balance between football and school. And, um, I think that just comes from my parents, you know, they've kind of been drilled that into me. And so I, I just wanted to choose a career that I thought was noble and that I could, you know, kind of give back to the people. Um, and I thought that, you know, at, at my university, they didn't have like a pre-med program. So the closest thing you can do is biology. So I, I ended up studying molecular biology for my four years there with the aspirations of going into med school after college or sometime in the future. Right. So that's kind of how I chose it. That's great. I, I mean, um, uh, that's a, a very interesting career because most of the football players that I know, normally they take business or they take marketing, but your career, it's very, very uh, outstanding. You know, molecular biology. Not, it's not many people pick that. I think uh, that 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 that's a great career. You must be a pro in biology when you were in high school, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know. In high school, I was really interested by just science in general. I thought I thought it was fascinating, um, and I guess that you know I had good, really good science teachers in high school, so that kind of push me towards that path, I guess, you know, something that I've always really been interested in, especially the human body as an athlete, you know, like I thought that I can combine athletics with my background in biology to build something special for the future. So uh, do you think you're the most intelligent footballer right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, don't, I don't think so. You'd be surprised. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of uh, unique talents beyond beyond just football. 
So, so just to kind of take things back to the beginning, uh, where did your love affair with football start? Uh, so when I first touched the ball, I guess, you know, that's I, it was kind of instant for me. I, I started playing when I was five years old, when I had recently just gotten to Canada. My parents just put me in this little, you know, this little league, um, and I just loved it every day. I, I, I fell in love with the game, and, and it's what I've wanted to do my entire life. So was it like it was an influence from your parents then that got you into the game? Are they huge football fans? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we're originally we're from Colombia, all of us, and you know, f- football in Colombia is like a religion, and so my entire family, uh, you know, they're supporters of of a t- team down there, Nacional. Um, so I kind of grew up in that environment, just watching football with my family. Um, so it's. You know, it, it was kind of ingrained in my culture, I guess. So you, you said you mentioned earlier on that you had uh, played in the Toronto U system. Um, how did you get discovered by Toronto? Uh, so I was playing uh, locally, kind kind of locally with this team called Woodbridge, and I was also playing for the provincial for the provincial team, uh, Team Ontario, at the time. And uh, so I think we had a few friendlies against the Toronto. Toronto FC um, youth academies and from there they were interested and they invited me to go to the GA the GA Cup in Seattle um, and when I went I went with them and we we went all the way to the finals and lost against Chivas USA um, and I mean from there on I just I kind of fell in love with the club and their professionalism and I thought they offered me a, a very cool opportunity to to kind of continue my football so, so how did uh, the Toronto U system de- uh, help you develop as a player? Well, just, I mean, the level of professionalism um, is unmatched in terms of, uh, you know, compared to other teams around, around the city and around the province. You know, they, when I was there, they weren't in the USSDA. I know they have been for the past few years, but uh, it was more their training. You know, the, the training at Toronto FC was... It was every day. They provided everything for you. There was a lot of structure. There was a lot of support behind the academy, and the coaches were phenomenal. Um, and they were a huge support system. And you know, they they believed in me at least. Uh, I felt I was very supported there. So I'm very grateful for my time there and everybody that was involved. Yeah, like I mean, it's it seems like a huge club, and they seem to have put like a lot of money into developing their their youth system um so, so you moved from toronto I, I saw that you played for a year in germany how did that move come about yeah so i was actually playing with the canadian national team um i think the u18s and we went to a tournament in austria um and i showed well over there and um, my team ingolstadt was i think there were some scouts there and they reached out to my agent and then I went on trial there for a month and uh, once the month concluded they called me back and said yeah we'd love to have you for for the U19 Bundesliga uh, season this next year so three days after I graduated high school I packed my bags and and headed over to Germany for a year that's that's crazy um so so I guess like you know it's it's kind of a lot of kids dream here in Canada who play football to, to, to play in Europe. So what are the, the pros and cons of moving at such a young age? Well, I mean, it definitely makes you grow up instantly, you know. Um, 
I got there, I didn't know the language. I was a new culture to me. I didn't really know anybody didn't have any friends. So I kind of just had to look for myself and fend for myself. But, um, and it was hard, you know, there was times where I miss my family. I miss my friends. I miss my environment and everything, but I wanted it so bad that it didn't really matter. You know, not that it didn't matter, but I knew that the sacrifice meant something. So it made it a lot easier to go through. Um, so that, I mean, the advantage is that it helps you, it helps you grow up. Um, it helps you kind of, you know, become an adult, um, which I learned from really early on. And I guess the disadvantages are just, you know, being away from your family. That, that's quite tough sometimes. So, so um, does the club, do, do they like put you into German lessons so you kind of learn the language? Like the, how do they support you? Yeah, yeah. So they put me in a, in a German, uh, not a school, like a language school for about three months, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I hated going. It was, yeah, it was terrible. My teachers were so mean. Um, <laughs> so I, I honestly think that's probably like German people being nice. They're kind of hard to read sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, so I hated going. I thought, Oh goodness. Like I didn't, I didn't like, you know, learning from a book, this and that. I was like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I want to learn, you know, just having, I don't want to learn how to conjugate verbs and all this shit. Like I would just want to talk to people and learn like conversational German so that I could like go hang out with my soccer buddies and like go to town and stuff, you know? Um, so after that, I told them, listen, like I, yeah. I'm not going to go, like I'm not going to this. I told them, you know? <laughs> and so instead of continuing the lessons, they actually, they made me go and um, train little kids from the youth, their youth system and kind of shadow one of their, like the U10 assistant coach so that I could develop my conversational skills with like the little kids because they don't judge you, you know? They don't, talking to little kids is like the easiest and best way to learn a language because they don't, you know, they just want to have fun and they're cool and everything. So I think that was the biggest thing for me to learn German. That, that's awesome. What a, what a great idea to uh, to get you to learn it. Like, so uh, I guess the other way would have been just to put you like sitting in front of, the German version of The Simpsons or something, I suppose, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I watched a lot of shows in, in German with English subtitles, so that helped me a little bit too. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Mateo, uh, you played for Toronto FC for 2013 to 15, and then you went to Germany. Was it a big difference? Because I know Toronto FC, as you mentioned in the interview, is very professional, the way that they handle the academies. And the Germans, they do everything under the rules and everything perfect. So I'm wondering if it was a big shock, that transition from the academies in Toronto to, to Germany. And also, how much impact does the German style of game uh, reflect in your playing style as a fullback? Yeah, so I think... It was it was definitely a big a big shock. Um, the level in Germany is obviously much higher than it is in Canada, even at the even at the uh, academy levels. Um, it was it was a big big jump. Um, but the like the coaches there are amazing as well. You know they 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 study the game. They study youth development, so they know how to get the best out of you. Um, and the level of detail in the training sessions is insane. It is by far the best trainings that I've ever had in my life. 
um, their attention, like I said, their attention to detail and their emphasis on being effective, I think is the most, is the biggest difference. Um, so, you know, they would, instead of, I don't know how to explain, like they would show you how to most effectively do something like how to most effectively get up the pitch or how to most effectively score or pass the ball or, you know, everything was about effectiveness there and production. Um, there was no, like, there was no politics. Like it was, if, if there's two, two or three fullbacks, it's the fullback that performed the best that week, regardless of his standing with the club, you know, regardless if he's been there for 10 years or one year, it's like the fullback that performed the best that week in training is going to play. And then also the biggest difference was just like the level of competition. I mean, when I was playing for Ingolstadt, Week in, week out, we would play like Bayern Munich, Hoffenheim, Mainz, um, all those big German academies. And it was just like you had to mentally be ready and prepared to to face such good opponents week in and week out. Like You couldn't just take a game off or else your t- you know, you might face relegation with your club, which would lose the club a lot of money, you know, because the German system pays the clubs as well. And like the at the U nineteen Bundesliga level for being in the highest tiers, so it was, you know, you you're approaching it from more of a professional business level as well. Like you know that the club is going to suffer financially, and that your coach might be out of a job if you don't perform well, even at the U nineteen level. You know what I mean? So it was yeah. different. That that's great, and we we know that um, you know with your experience with Toronto and your past by. Uh, in Ingolstadt in Germany um, when you went to when you play for the university in California um, I'm sure that your level was just like outstanding there and and because a lot of people just like playing for scholarships and everything how was your experience in in the University of California like level wise well it was so I decided to to go after Germany I decided to go to university instead of staying in Germany or trying to stay in Europe or just go pro then because like I said my entire life I've had this huge emphasis on school as well and it's kind of like I wanted to diversify myself I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket and then you know god forbid you get injured or this or that so I was like okay I'll go get my degree and then pursue football after that Um, but when I went there from Germany from such a high level in Germany and I dropped down to and I went to California like the level we had really great players um, all four years there, but like the coaching wasn't the same, you know, like the coaching, the level of coaching wasn't the same at all. The organization wasn't the same. Um, it was a bit of an adjustment adjustment for me to be completely honest. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, I learned a lot of great, great things at UCSB and I'm grateful for those experiences, but yeah, the level was definitely, different and the football it's football itself is different because of the fast paced style that you know that is played in the ncaa and the lack of tactical awareness i guess just in football in north america sometimes you know it's, it's really interesting that and um, just such a huge difference do you, do you feel like the uh the soccer programs are kind of like the the red-headed stepchild of the ncaa that they're kind of not as important as American football or basketball? I just, I think that 
there's a huge history with American football and basketball and the money's being invested and has been invested over decades. So, you know, if you want to play football at the highest level, you go to the, you go to the States. If you want to play basketball at the highest level, you go to the States. Um, but if you want to play like real football, like soccer, then you don't, you don't, you don't go to the States. You know what I mean? I think it's just a bit underdeveloped because they started later because they didn't, they don't have it ingrained in their culture. Like, you know, European teams or South American teams. Um, so obviously I think they're, you know, a few steps back in terms of development. And I don't really know how much like the, the college game really serves at developing players. Um, I don't, I don't think it really does. I think that pathway is kind of obsolete right now. I don't, I don't think it, it does justice, you know? So do you think that the, uh, the academies at like MLS teams are at a higher level than the, the college teams? I, yeah, I do. I think in terms of professionalism and, and training and development, 100%. In terms of competition, maybe if you go to like a, a big division like the ACC, where you're getting the best, the best products and you're adding in like great players from Europe and uh, South America and Mexico, for example, then, you know, you're going to get a high level of competition every week. But in terms of, I mean, at least from my experience at UCSB, yeah, I can't speak for other programs, but from my experience, like the training and the organization and the emphasis and development is way higher in the U S Academy level than it is in university. So, so it sounds like that the, the, the coaching and, uh, the, the technical aspects in, in Europe, uh, in Germany, were like as you said, way higher. Is that is that your goal to go back to Europe to play someday, or like what's your future goals? You think with your career? I mean, I, I would love that. I would love that. Um, but right now, I'm just taking it step by step. I just you know I want to do. A, I want to have a positive role at Halifax and help them win titles and help them develop as a club. And I want to help the league grow as well. You know, I think it's important for us to keep our, our talent local and develop here. Um, but now if the opportunity comes and it, it, it's the right time for me to, to go to, to go back to Europe, if, if that opportunity presents itself, then, you know, I'll take it wholeheartedly and, and uh, with as much enthusiasm as, as the one I showed when I joined the Wanderers. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of our contributors, uh, Chris Searle had a question for you. Um, so, was there any American teams that were interested in you before you moved to Halifax? Uh, I actually had a, a chance to go in um, and showcase with Toronto FC, but I oh, wow. yeah, like I, they they called me back in, but I had already agreed with Halifax that that I, I was going to join them. I hadn't signed at this point yet because of the whole scholarship thing, um, but I I had already agreed to join Halifax, so I thought. You know, I, I had already committed myself, so I, I didn't go. Wow, it's uh, it's, it's nice to, to know you're a man of your word, man. Jeez, that's 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 awesome. <laughs> Toronto's uh, bad luck is there, good luck, I suppose. Um, so, so I guess for like all the the Wanderers fans listening, in, like, uh, what's what can they expect from you in the like as a player and in the new season once it gets going, of course. Um, well, I'm a player that you know I kind of I like to be consistent. Um, I like to lead as well. Uh, I like to take leadership roles within the team. I'm very vocal. 
um, and um, I play with grit and and uh, character, um, I guess. And I like go I like going forward, but my main my main specialties in defending and kind of you know digging in and 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 being the the guy that kind of has to do the dirty job. Like I, that's kind of been my game my whole life, so I, I, I accept that role. <laughs> So um, they might they might be expecting a few yellow cards here and there, but um, overall, you know, I keep my temper pretty well. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just just uh, dedicated and and um, dedicated for the club, and you know, very excited to to be a part of it and represent the city of Halifax. Um, just before I pass back over to Carlos, um, James Covey, who's uh, one of the 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 main guys of the privateers uh the uh, halifax fan base here in in um in halifax had a question for you just because you mentioned the yellow card there what do you make of the uh wikipedia article highlighting that you got the first ever red card in league one ontario <laughs> that was the softest red card you'll ever see in your life <laughs> that was the first game of the season too the inaugural match of the season um and <laughs> It was, oh, it was, it was like the, the, the striker was like this six foot nine kid, like massive guy. And I just, I kind of just like shoulder tapped him and he falls and I get a, I get a red card. I wasn't too happy with the referee there. And I was like, I think, I think we disputed it as well. Cause we had it on video and I think I actually got, you know, I think I was suspended for two games and they reduced it to one because of how soft it was. So, um, you know, I like. I get, I, you know, I get stuck in, but I'm not reckless like that, you know. <laughs> like that's the only red card I've ever gotten. <laughs> so uh, hopefully the footage is on YouTube, and we'll we'll post on Instagram for people to make up their own minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll, they'll agree with me. <laughs> yeah, Mateo. Um, Colombian style, like the the game of the Colombian football, the style. I mean, is uh, very likable. It, it's kind of like similar not equal to the brazilian one it's a very you know mm-hmm. good like foot scale do you have uh, those flares of colombian colombianisms in your game because you know you come from the german academy so i'm wondering like if you have a hybrid of styles in your game um i think i'm not as flareful um I think I, I pride myself on on you know my my ability to simplify the game and my ability to be effective, um, but I do appreciate those styles as well. So um, I don't know if you guys know who Santiago Arias is from the Colombian national team, the right back. Yes. So he, yeah, so he's like, you know, he'll put in he'll put in ten crosses a game, but you'll never see him try to like do a step over or like get really really fancy like. Quadrado, for example, you know, or something like that. So I, I'm kind of more of that type of player than a player like Quadrado or, or back then, like maybe Camilo Suniga, which was like, he was very flareful as well. So I'm, I'm more of like a Santiago Arias. What about the Rob Sanchez? The Rob Sanchez, La Roca Sanchez? Uh, oh, um, La Roca Sanchez. Yeah, I, I like him. I like him. I like having him on the team. He, he breaks up a lot of play and he gets stuck in. So I really like enjoy him, uh, ha- enjoy having him on the Colombian national team. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's great. I mean, like Arias, he, he's, he's, he's a 
a complete defender. Like he doesn't go with uh, too much flair, and maybe that that's the style that you're aiming for. You know, like just like being precise, and it's part of perhaps like your German uh, style roots that are coming from the academies. You know, when at the moment when you try to play, uh, interesting. I like. I really really like your answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I was a center back my whole life until I got to Germany. I don't know if you guys knew that. So being flareful wasn't encouraged, I guess. So yeah, I never really like developed that style of game. I was more like about completing my passes and getting stuck in and defending well, you know? So I kind of transitioned there and, and learned how to go forward and put the ball in the box, but um, definitely in a more direct and less flareful manner. Would you consider being a fullback that stays most of the time in the box? Because there are some fullbacks that just go perhaps like three-thirds of the pitch and go more forward, or you like to be just like more close to the, to your goalkeeper area. How's your style? How would you define it? Um, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm definitely more of a defensive right back than, than an attacking right back. But, I mean, with that being said, I, I learned how to, how to play fullback pretty much in Germany. And their whole style was, you know, going up the wins and getting the ball in the box. So I think, I think I, I, I pick my times quite well, uh, you know, depending on the time, the time in the game and depending on uh, the numbers. So I think it's, a, it's, it's more of a 50-50 for me uh, in terms of going up and, and contributing to the attack and staying back and defending. Um, like I said, I do pride myself in my defending and, But I also pride myself in, in being able to put good crosses in and, and find good entry balls into the, the striker's feet and the midfielders. So it's a bit of both for me. Yeah, just, just a follow-up there. So when you moved to, to Germany then, what did they see in you that made them decide to... Because obviously when they saw you playing for Canada, you were playing as a centre-half, I guess, then were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what did they see uh, to, to make them change it to a fullback? Well, I got there, and, and the average height for a center back was 6'5". So, I, you know, they were just like... <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, they're like, well, let's try you out. So I try, when, I was, when I was trying out, they put me out at right back, and they saw that I could defend really well and that I had enough technical ability to, to join the attack. So that's kind of how, how I made my transition to right back. And now I'm, I'm really grateful for it because I don't think I would have had a future in football as a center back because I'm 5'10", you know? Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's not the ideal height for um, uh, a central defender. So no. I guess it worked out in your favor. So um, Chris just had another uh, question for you. So was when you finished university, was it always your goal to go back into professional football or is it just because this opportunity kind of came up for you? So I, was, I was struggling with it a bit, um, to be honest. I, you know, the last four years I had kind of, I had obviously done my role on the football team, on the soccer team at UCSB, and uh, enjoyed it a lot. But I was, I was just, I was ready to to see what opportunities the future brought. So I kind of told myself, listen, like if I have an opportunity to go play, like I've, I've worked for this, you know, the last 15 years of my life, I'm gonna do it without doubt. But um, I was, I was kind of mentally preparing myself for that, you know, that. Poss the possibility of not being able to do that. So I was looking into other other avenues of life. Um, you know, I was I started working over there for 
for an orthopedic surgeon as his assistant, uh, I started gaining kind of, I guess what you would call, uh, you know, work, working skills um, and working experiences like out, out, out in the job force, just, just as a backup, just to see, just to make sure that, you know, if, if that opportunity didn't present itself, that I'd be okay. Um, but thankfully it did. And, and, you know, now we're here and unfortunately we haven't gotten started, but I'm, I'm really happy that, that this opportunity did present itself. Yeah, that's, uh, like it's, it, it seems like you got your head screwed on. Like that's such a good idea. You know, like it's, it's so hard to get into the world of professional football that it's always a good idea to have a backup. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what I was, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always about percentages. And if you, I think somebody told me that the, the percent of, of players out of college that actually go pro right out of college is like 2% or something like that. Wow. Yeah. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but, um, somebody had told me that and I was like, okay, well, um, as much as I love the game and as much as I back myself in my ability to play it, I, you know, you, it would be, it wouldn't be too intelligent to, to put your egg, all your eggs in one basket. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, uh, you know, I, I think, it, especially in Canada, like with the way uh, the, the league has set up the, the, the U sport, the U draft, that um, it's it, it, so much focus is on getting your education. Um, it's because, I mean, you don't know what's over over the hill. You know, you might get an injury, God forbid, or whatever like that. So it's always good to have that uh, backup for yourself. Yeah, no, exactly. So I was, you know, that's kind of what I was focusing on um, throughout my time over there. So um, Chris just had another question. So uh, what, what kind of systems are you used to playing? Are you, is it, you normally play in a 3-5-2, 4-3-3? Was there a difference between the, the different places where you played that had, they had different systems? Yeah, so I grew up. I mean, at, at Toronto FC and like all, all, pretty much all the teams that I played for before, it was just four three three. You know, everybody, everybody at U thirteen, U fourteen, U fifteen levels trying to emulate like Barcelona. I feel like, <laughs> um, and then you get to the to real football, you know, men's football, and you can't really follow Barcelona. And sometimes you got to play, you know, ugly football just to get a result. Um, and I was kind of exposed to that in Germany. Um, we ended up developing a four four two formation after we weren't doing too well in the beginning of the season and, and kind of developing more of a direct uh, playing style, which I had never really experienced before because at Toronto FC, you know, we, you have the most technical players in the province pretty much. So everybody's, you know, tiki-taka, everything. But out there, you know, FC Ingolstadt with the, the, the giant teams that we were playing against, we were the ones that had to kind of play a 4-4-2, you know, kind of a kind of like, uh, you know, your, your mid-table prem, mid-to-low-table prem, prem teams. So we, you know, I, I ended up developing that system there, the 4-4-2, which I was completely comfortable doing. And then at UCSB, my, my coach there would, would change his mind every, every half. So, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I kind of got exposed to the three five two, four three three, four you know, four two three one, diamond in the middle. I wow. God knows what we didn't what we didn't try out there. You know, it was it was insane. Um, that's that's how college soccer is, and it's it's a clusterfuck. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me for my language. 
Was, was he like? Was he like googling systems like on the sideline? Ah, oh. oh my <laughs> god! On his phone. <laughs> I think, I think he, I think he just thought like he was trying to one up his opponents, you know. So he would try to like overload a side and, like for example, we'd play with like a left winger but not a left back sometimes. Like I swear. I played I, sometimes. I played holding mid, and I was a holding mid left back. It was ridiculous, what? and we didn't even have a player there. Wow. So, so, so was he, was he a, he's probably like a coach of American football, and they just like put him in there. I don't know. He's he's been he's been at the you know he's done he, he won the national championship in two thousand and six, and he did it. You know he has oh, a, wow. he had a good good resume. Uh, you know he's been there for twenty years and developed the program, but. I had just never played such disorganized football in my life, so <laughs> um, it was definitely something to get used to. But you know, I played a bunch of positions in college, and it kind of put me in these tough situations sometimes. And and you know, if you know how to deal with them, you come out stronger, and and you kind of see the game in a different light, I guess. You know, but so uh, at least Stephen knows that you can play like every single position now, huh? Yeah, I can play any defensive position pretty much, except for keeper. <laughs> so, 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 just kicking back to your uh, your your Germany day. Sorry to keep going back to that, but uh, so you're a kid from Canada. You're 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 playing your first game or whatever, and you see the Bayern Munich jerseys in front of you. What's going through your head? Oh man, that was unreal. That was I mean, surreal. Sorry. Um, yeah, we walked in and we saw the massive training grounds. And yeah, the first, like we, when we walked into our games, the games were held at the training grounds where like Byron plays. And at that at that moment, Pep was a coach, and they were uh, they were actually training the first team. Um, and wow. so yeah, we saw all of them there. And uh, so we walk in, and then and so they they transition to this other pitch off to the side, but it has a tent. I don't know if you guys knew this, but. Pep likes he's super secretive so they had a 10 foot or like a 20 foot curtain around this pitch and they were all just going into this pitch with a curtain and like you couldn't see anything above it and I was like wow that's that is crazy um wow but yeah our first game against Bayern Munich we ended up <laughs> we lost four nothing <laughs> they were quite good wow. but but we beat them one nothing at our place after yeah so but they were, yeah, they were, they were a different level though. They were so good; it was insane. What a what a feeling to beat them, though, huh? Yeah, no, it was it was quite special. Um, we pretty much, I think, we scored in the first ten minutes, and then we played. Uh, we just parked the bus for the next eighty minutes. So. <laughs> I, I I think that's hilarious though that they have a big court around the pitch. Like, I mean, I, I honestly think that uh, Pep should go and seek some like from a psychiatrist or something like that but it was paranoia <laughs> you know there's a fine line between uh, you know being par- uh, you know par- there's a fine line between paranoia and being a genius right so, <laughs> so I guess that's what it is <laughs> so um, this is kind of a very generic question I'm sorry but uh, so what's, who's been the biggest influence on your career so far the biggest influence in my career I don't think there's one single handed person that's been the biggest influence in my career. I think that there's been people that have had massive a massive part in my career throughout different stages of my career. You know, um, like growing up, I had this coach. His name his name was Gus. Um, he was this like crazy Argentinian guy that would like 
take 10 year olds and make them train like three hours a day. Um, like hard training three hours a day. And we all loved it, but he was just like this crazy fanatic Argentinian dude. And he was a huge impact because he, he kind of just developed the sense, the sense of grit and underdog in me. Um, so he was one of them. And then when I got over to TFC, um, the, I think he's the technical director now, Anthony Capotosto there. He was a very big impact in my game as well. And in my personality. And I find that, I find that the mentors that I've had throughout my, my football career has, have been not only football mentors, but like life mentors, you know what I mean? Um, so he was a big mentor when I got there and, you know, I continue to, to be thankful to these individuals. And then when I got to Germany, my head coach was also just such a great guy, insane intensity, scary as hell, like scared the hell out of me. But I respected him, and I I loved the way he treated his players. Um, so yeah, I think I think those three those three uh, coaches have been have had insane an insane influence in my life and in my football career as well. It's awesome. They sound like really uh, really cool people. Yeah. Obviously, you said you saw some games last year, and you saw. The, the madness that is the Wanderers ground. How excited are you to play in front of uh, the the Halifax home crowd? Oh no, I'm I'm so excited. I'm very excited. Uh, I've been I've been in Halifax for all of a week and a half, but everyone there seems like they're just really good people. And um, you know, I, I love to represent a group of people like that that are passionate about the club and that um, you know that that are so willing to support us. So I'm excited for that. So um, you've uh, you've played for Toronto in Europe, and you've played for FC Ingolstadt. Am I saying that right? I'm probably saying it wrong. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay, it took, so, it took me it took me a few months to get it right. To no worries. <laughs> so um, uh, the the setup at the Wanderers, like, how does it compare uh, to, to to those two institutions? Um, I think I think uh, obviously these Toronto FC and Ingolstadt have. An insane amount of money. Um, Ingolstadt sponsored by Audi and has been, you know, was created in, I think, I don't know when, but like a long, long time ago. And Toronto FC2 has a lot of backing. So it's a bit unfair to compare the two um, just because of like the, the level of financial support that those other two guys have. But for being in, in the league one year um, and for being such a new club, I think that, I think that Halifax has, has done pretty much everything right in terms of creating an environment um, that we we feel proud to be a part of and um, making the best out of out of the situation in terms of like training facilities and everything. Although I haven't trained with them yet because when I got there it was um, the COVID nineteen thing was crazy and we you know they canceled training right when I got there. Um, but I think you know from what I've seen. Uh, Wanderers seem, Wanderers Ground seems to be like the best place to play in the CPL. So, I think that Halifax has nothing, has um, a lot to be proud of over the last few years of, of their inception. It's awesome. I'm sure uh, Derek would be happy to hear you say that. Um, <laughs> Car- Carlos, you have another question there, bud? Yeah, um, uh, Mateo. Since you you have only like a we're gonna have like pretty kind of like brand new with the team that has been training a little bit. Um, who are you talking to 
in the team? Like, who do you become like friends with? So the first person to really open up his arms and, and kind of get me integrated with the guys was uh, Alex DeCarolis. Um, Big Al, we call him. Uh, he was there last year. Uh, he was, you know, from the moment I signed, he, he messaged me individually and he said, you know, uh, welcome to the club. And if I ever needed anything to let him know. And he, you know, he kept in touch over the few months that I was still back in school. And when I got to Halifax, he he made sure that, you know, I had everything that I needed and that everything was going going well for me. So, I, you know, I really appreciate people like that, that kind of like go, you know, stick their arm out to somebody that's new and try to show them the ropes. So he was the first person. But apart from that, you know, everybody has been like really nice. And I've had fun with the guys that I've met um, and that I've got to, to kind of spend time with. That's great. Um, are you like sharing the apartment with with another players, or are you just by yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm sharing an apartment with um, Alex Marshall, uh, the Jamaican international. I haven't met him yet. He hasn't been able to get into the country. Um, oh, wow. Him and Ibra Ibrahim Sanaw. Ibra. Yeah. Great. Yeah, those two guys. Yeah. And- Ibra is also, you know, he, he was also really, really nice to me. Um, and, you know, the week that I was there, we, you know, we talked a little bit and then it was all, all good vibes. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's, that's good that you guys are bonding because, you know, you guys are roommates and also teammates. So it, it's even better. So that that's great. Do you guys keep in touch often now that you guys are like separated? Do you guys have uh, like talking constantly? Because you know what? I'm looking at the calendar now, and on Saturday, it was supposed to be the first Wonders game. Yeah. The home opener. How do you feel about it? I'm <laughs> trying to stay sane. Um, I was very excited to, to come into the league and, and um, you know, do my part. But unfortunately, right now, it's, you know, the health of, of everybody is more important than, than football. So, you know, just try telling myself that a thousand times a day. But, it, you know, it, it is tough. It is tough because you come in with all of these um, expectations and you come in with all this energy to want to wanna do right and contribute. And then it kind of gets taken away from you in the matter of a week. But um, beyond that, you know, the, the Wanderer staff has done really well to, to maintain a sense of, of, uh, of community and to, you know, keep the team together like we we have daily zoom meetings where we discuss different things or we'll do a zoom workout a tactical session a nutrition a nutrition meeting or um you know or fun things like a trivia night or a talent show so we try to do our best to stay together as a team during these times that's uh that's awesome um it's kind of good that you're all trying to because it's a brand new squad again right i mean like like last year we had a brand new squad and like it's changed so much that it's good that we have people like Alex that are willing to reach out and make everybody feel included. Yeah, no, no, it was definitely a um, huge, huge help for me. And I'm sure he did it to, to all the guys that were new. So, you know, there's only, I think there's only seven, seven guys that are there from last year. Um, and, you know, I've only met a few of them, but, you know, they, they all seem like they're, they're on, they're, they're more than willing to, to integrate the new guys and to get this project going. So it's exciting. 
is, is that part of the, uh, the the thing that attracted you to Halifax that it was going to be almost a brand new project again? Um, no, I, I mean, when I initially agreed with them that I would sign, I, I didn't really know what, because I agreed probably in uh, probably late November, early December, even though I signed in January. And so I didn't know, I didn't know what, I didn't know what moves they were going to make in terms of the roster. So that wasn't really my, I mean, I saw that they had brought in like Louie, you know, uh, from, from Valor. And I was like, I watched a few of the Valor games cause I was friends with Dylan Sacramento, um, Dylan Carrero and Mark. I mean, I knew Marcos Bussos from the team, from the national team, a few of the other boys. So I watched their games, but, and I watched him play, and I was like, wow, this kid's a baller. So I, when I saw him sign for Halifax, I was like, yeah, I'm excited to play with this guy. Like, he seems like a great player, you know? Um, That's all. But apart from that, I didn't know I didn't know who was coming or who was going. I didn't really know what squad moves that they were going to make. I just – I had confidence in, in the management, like I said, and, and I, uh, I was excited to be part of the project. Um, Matteo, you just mentioned it. Um, you were in the national team. That was going to be my next question, actually. Uh, you debu you made your debut in 2011. I think you were 14 years old when you debuted with Team Canada, the youth. Mm -hmm. um, tell us more about that. How was your experience? Um, how was your excitement when you were called up for the national team? Yeah, so I was called up to the, <clears throat> the 96 age group, so I was a year younger. Um, and that's how I got to know some of the guys like Marco Bustos, Keons, um, like Marco Carducci, um, players like that, you know, guys that are doing great now. Um, and I was so nervous. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I was very, very nervous to debut for, for the national team, um, especially being younger. I had my, my coach from the provincial team, which was also one of my big mentors, Patrick Tobo. He was, he was also, he was the assistant coach for the team. So he made it a lot, a lot better because I had worked with him already. So he kind of helped me in that transition. Um, but yeah, I know. I think the first time I debuted, I think I was really nervous. I don't know how, how well I did. I'd like to think that I did, did pretty well. I got called back a few years, you know, for the next few years. So, But uh, after that was kind of under the – after I made my debut and, and that uh, was finished with, I just – I looked at it like any other football match, you know. Uh, normally, Mateo, what we do is every guest we have, we ask them, like, what are their top three favorite players in their position? But I think you already answer um, Arias. So oh. that, no, that's, that that's, not my, that's not my favorite player. That's just – I was just trying to compare myself, my style of game. My favorite, oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. three then. Yeah, no, my favorite player, I think historically has has been Puyo. I just love his ability, his character, and like what a great leader he was. You know, so I always admired him growing up, and I was a center back growing up, so I always looked up to him. But yeah, he's definitely he's definitely my favorite player. Great hair too, Carlos Puyo. He Carlos was, Puyo, uh, yeah. He was a great, uh, great captain, though. I saw so many videos when uh, they were kind of like difficult play. And I don't remember who from Barcelona wanted to pick up a fight or something against the opposite player. And Puyol, okay, okay, start like pushing him, you know, stop. Just yeah. Keep playing, keep playing. Stuff like that I really like. And he's one of the Barcelona ambassadors. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That play, I, I know the video you're talking about. It's uh, I think it's PK. I think he did that. Yes, PK. PK. Yeah. yeah, I think it was PK. Um, yeah, the the ability to to kind of put the moment aside and and put his own um his his own position aside and focus on on the on the the other players around him and how and and focus on how he's going to get the most out of them is something that I think I, I've admired throughout my life and I've tried to emulate as well you know sometimes just not focus individually on my game but like how can I get the players around me to play better um I think that's something that I try to do um and that starts that starts in the locker room as well you know so yeah that that's what makes a good captain and what are your two uh my other two um favorite players hmm I always have them as my top but my other two I love defenders, you know. So obviously, I've been a defender my whole life. So like Paolo Maldini, great, great defender. I really, really enjoy him. Um, really enjoyed watching him when I was younger. And my other favorite player that I just made me kind of fall in love with the game was Ronaldinho. So I'd say those three, yeah, two defenders and one attacking player. So I guess, you know. I'm sure Anthony can comment on Ronaldinho because one of his favorite players. Yeah, it's uh, like Ronaldinho. Like it's just apart from the skill, it's just like his enjoyment he gets from the game. Um, even even like when he was in the the, the prison. Is it in Peru? He was in prison, Carlos. No, he's in Paraguay. Still Paraguay. Paraguay. Um, like just seeing him playing with the prisoners there. Like he's just loving the game. You know, it's a he's a he's an inspiration for everybody just to. Um, enjoy it like you know that's what sports about you know it's, obviously it's about competition but you need to make sure you're enjoying the game too so um, he's definitely um, he's definitely one of my favorite players too yeah no I that's I mean that's the thing you know he's in these like high but back in his in his prime he was in these like high stress situations or when there was a lot of money when there's you know the whole business aspect of football was was very prominent you know when you're up in, in those levels and it just seemed like he was able to just completely put that aside and just he just looked like he was he was playing with his with his friends you know like it just seemed like he was just he he was just a kid again when he touched the, the when he was on the pitch and when he played um and that's something that I think that a lot of players forget and a lot of people forget in the sports industry that beyond anything it's you know we're in this industry because at some point we kicked the ball with with our buddies and we just we had so much fun doing it you know so i think yeah it's like it's like that video that with the, the nike ad where they had like a video of him when he was a kid uh running around like beating everybody on the pitch and he had the same smile when he was a professional so yeah it's <laughs> He's, he's 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 a joy to watch, and I, I kind of miss seeing him, to be honest. Yeah, no, um, me too. <laughs> so, so I, I guess we, we could probably talk football all night with you, but um, we, we'll we'll let you get back to um, your life. But before we do, uh, what what sort of things are you watching on Netflix? Ooh. I guess that's what you. I guess that's what you've been doing for like the last month and a half, probably. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I just I'm watching the Innocence Files right now. I'm a big I'm a big documentary buff, so I like uh, documentaries. Um, I'm watching The Innocence Files, which is about prisoners that have been falsely accused of like capital murder or something like that. Um, and it's just about their stories and how you know 
the, their entire journey and, and all of that. So I, I find that really interesting. But uh, but yeah, I've been watching that. I'm I'm actually rewatching Narcos with my girlfriend right now. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> How romantic! Yeah, I know. I know. The me- is Narcos Mexico or, or Narcos no, the Colombian one? The Colombian one. The Colombian one. So I'm trying to give her a bit of a background story and not telling her to not believe everything that Hollywood kind of shows because I, th- I feel like a lot of people just think Colombia is what they see at narcos and i'm trying to tell them like no like i'm from i'm yeah. from it i'm from medellin you know i'm from that, that that city so i'm trying to do justice by by uh by it and and trying to convince people that it's not all all like that you know are you trying to convince her to get out there on vacation <laughs> <laughs> i think she's already i think she's already convinced you know i think i think that wouldn't be hard yeah i think that would be too difficult to do but yeah apart from that i think that's um those those are the two that i'm watching right now so so you haven't uh have you seen tiger king yet oh i did actually yeah i so (laughs) i was so i was up (laughs) i was up in in halifax when, when they had me there for two weeks in isolation and um i was like well this looks completely random let's just give it a go and oh my days! I think I I think I stayed up all night and watched it. <laughs> I, I did the same. So is the rumor true that you've got the uh, same mullet as Joe Exotic? Me? Yeah. <laughs> may, may, maybe after this quarantine. <laughs> maybe after the quarantine. Now I think we I think we'll all have it. You know I think we'll all have it after after being isolated without uh, access to a barber. We, we, we should start as a get, get a trending on uh, Twitter to have the the Wanderers all have Joe Exotic haircuts for the first game. <laughs> oh my! Could you imagine that would <laughs> that would be that would be ridiculous? That would be ridiculous. So um, I I really want to thank you for taking the time out to talk to us, man. It was very informative, very interesting, and I think that. Thanks again, man. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed uh, sharing with you guys. Uh, th- thanks, Carlos. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Mateo. No worries. Thank Stay you safe. Guys. Yeah, you too. Stay, Stay safe, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you play soon. I hope so. You guys as well. Folks, please. Right, folks, please. Time to drink up, folks. Get out. Out to fuck. The second part of the show is sponsored by the Armchair Commentary Podcast. Recorded right here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Join co-host Dave Smith and Mr. Baseball himself, Steve Steele, as they talk all things baseball, NFL, and ice hockey. The Armchair Commentary is available wherever you get your podcasts. We are joined by highly famous athlete, content creator, and blogger, Jack Murray. Welcome to the show, Jack. Thank you for having me. (laughs) we are, we are truly honored to have you on the show, so thank you so much. Um, we also have Carlos and Chris with us too. How's it going, guys? Not too bad, not too bad. Thank you for having us again. Um, thank you for agreeing to be in the show, Jack. No problem. When I um, got the invitation, invitation, I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. I was so excited to talk with you guys. <laughs> awesome. We're excited too. Oh, yeah, that's awesome, man. We're definitely excited to talk to you, buddy. Definitely excited. 
So uh, the first question I have for you, Jack, is uh, where did your love of football come from, though? Well, I was born in 2008, and that was just the start of Spain's golden generation. So when they won the Euro Cup in 2008, the um, World Cup in 2010, and the Euro Cup again in 2012. And w- w- in 2010 and 12, I really started um, being able to watch the World Cup and starting to understand it. And I always loved Spain. It was just something about Spain that I really liked and from that moment on I I always like loved the ball and me and my dad in the kitchen would would play um this game where he would be Busquets and yes or Xavi and I or so he would be like in yes and he would pass it to me and we'd say any yes to pass this to Xavi and Xavi shoots and Xavi scores so that was really when I started loving soccer that's a, that's amazing. It's a it's, it's a pretty good um, place to start with that Spanish team. Um, Iniesta and Xavi are great role role, uh, role models for you. Um, so you've you've obviously we obviously got our first professional team in Halifax last year. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your love for the Wanderers. Well, I just think it's so great that Canada has its own league, even because. And just going back to Nova Scotia here, we have a little less than one million people, and the the Canada has thirty seven million people, and that's our population is such a small percent of Canada's population. It's incredible that we have a team, but I'm so happy that we do have a team because it's just a great opportunity for young players like Scott Firth, um, Christian Oxner, and all these young. Canadian because if 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 um the CPL wasn't created, a lot of young Canadian talent wouldn't have been discovered. Um, I'm just thinking of like Cadell Thomas or um Maury Donor because he was playing with Aurora FC uh in Division One against Vaughn. Um, Vaughn played against us in the Canadian Championship in the 2019 season. But he got he was he play he got called up to the to York Nine and now he's playing pro so it gives young Canadians a, a big opportunity to um, sh- show how good Canadian soccer is. Yeah, I, I definitely there's definitely a, 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 a untapped resource until now. Um, a lot of kids have just kind of fallen through the cracks and like they're definitely good enough to be playing professionally. Is that is that your goal to to play for the Wanderers eventually? Yes, it it is my goal because I would love 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 to play for the Wanderers where I grew up, and I would love to turn pro, play for the Wanderers, and just be playing on the Wanderers grounds because I I love the fans, I love everything about the Wanderers grounds. I love the name, I love Halifax, and I would love, love, love to play for them when I get older. Uh, you were just talking about the crowd, buddy. You got a perspective that a lot of us really didn't get to have as being a being one of the retrievers, one of the ball retrievers. And what a lot of people don't understand is that it's actually a very important role in the game. It kind of pushes the home field advantage to an extent. Um, I was wondering if you had any of that kind of pride come out of you in a game. Was there a moment during the season where 
you might have held the ball a little bit too long for an opponent or um, did you rush to get a ball so we could get a throw in quick to try to get the winner? How did it feel to be a part of the program? I always, always, always got um, got the ball super fast for the for the Wanders. Um, for the other teams, I probably waited a f- one or two seconds. <laughs> yes, because I didn't want to um, make it. I just I wanted to have a fair game, but I wanted to give the Wanders an advantage. Of course, of course. What was it like kind of being in front of 6,000 people? Was it nerve? Did it, were you nervous or was it kind of something that you, you were already into? Was it something that you kind of got energy from? I wasn't, my first time I was nervous because I, I really didn't know um, how, how the fans would react because I never really had seen the fans in action before in the inaugural game. So I was a bit nervous the first game, but as the season went on, I got more comfortable and I really loved that the fans um, were so back the Halifax Wanderers so much. And I really liked seeing every, all the chants. I, I loved hearing them. I loved hearing them. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. Oh, thanks, uh, Jack. Um, you have a very interesting answer, since with such a young age, like I see your drills and you have a nice skill. Like you were very talented with the feet and everything. Um, you do your channel with your dad, um, and which is super awesome. And he is very supportive with that. I'm wondering... Um, how is uh, your relationship with your dad? Obviously, it's amazing, but um, you have to pursue your goals and you want to be a wanderer. So uh, having your dad on your side is it's a bonus that you have. And every part, every parent that supports you, that supports his kid, is amazing. But having this gig of your YouTube channel with your dad, it's amazing. And my question for you is... How is uh, the your life in the daily basis? So you and your and your dad, how is uh, free production in your YouTube channel? Like you guys see them breakfast, plan uh, what you guys are gonna talk about. You guys uh, write ideas. I want to know more about the process because I think it's a really interesting, a very cute story that we have right now with you and your dad. Well, um, I really it. I really look at the what about this i look at the cpl and i really look at some at the at all of the news and i re- and if i really want to do a video on it i say daddy i want to do a video on this i inform him a bit i let him do some of the research and i do research and then we come together we talk about what we're a bit for like what we're going to talk we talk for 10 minutes about what we're going to talk about and then we record the video so at your at your home you know with your dad um how is your mom taking this? I want to see at the point of view of your mom because he must be super excited, you know, because it's football or soccer 24-7 at your house. And I think it's very, very amazing. I wish I had that when I was a kid like you have it now. She loves it. She um we she talks about she talks about soccer with us. Uh may like um, we all really talk together about it, and I tell them my theories about 
um, even non-news about the CPL and like transfer news and where I think that some of them are going to go and why I think it's a good idea for them to go somewhere else somewhere else and they listen and then they talk about either why they agree or they disagree um yeah so she loves it and i loves it too so we just all talk about it henry isn't quite at that age where you can talk about it yet you but soon he will be talking about it soon (laughs) right on right on buddy that's awesome so, uh, Jack, I have a question for you. So, um, yeah. so you've been working with uh, Eddie Johnson, uh, the uh, the US former US uh, international. Uh, how did that come about, and um, how are you finding the program? Well, um, I had just come off a five four month injury because I had fractured my patella, and I felt like I had missed so much soccer. I wanted something to. Um, I felt like I was behind. And I wanted something to help my game get to the next level. And I, I looked up to some of these kids that had gone to like, that are doing really well. And I real and I knew that Christian Pulisic was all also a star, but I also knew that Eddie Johnson was an American all-star. But on Instagram, I realized I followed him. And then I realized that he trains all of these young kids and he trained Christian Pulisic Kyle Laren and um, others, uh, and Kyle and I was just like, wow. And when I saw they trained kids, I wasn't sure what the process was. Did they have to do something? So I d de- I direct messaged him and I said maybe I could come down. And he said sure, let's make it happen. So right after the last Wanderers game, which I believe was on October 9th, we like the next. I had one day just at the house, and then the next day, my parents stuck us in the car, and we drove off. And how I made them do it was because I said to them, I need to go. I need to go. So I talked to them every day about it, just incorporate that in our talk, soccer talks. So I just talked to them about it, and they were like, okay, let's go. So we saw some amazing, amazing, amazing things, but it was a great experience because I I was training with kids that were eight, but I was also training kids that were 17 at the same time because one of his things is if you're good enough, you're old enough. So I so I was the fourth youngest out I was the fourth fourth youngest there. So it but I want so I was the fourth youngest there. But I knew, but Kyle Laren was his only ever Canadian that he had trained, but he never trained a Canadian kid. So I wanted to represent Canada well. I wanted to represent Nova Scotia well. I wanted to represent my family well, and I wanted to represent me well. So I really wanted, I worked really hard, and I wanted, and I just kept working, working, working hard. And at the end of it, at the end of the week, he put up a video of me doing one of the drills. And that's, and for me, that felt like I did a really good job. So I was very happy that he put me up on his Instagram. That is amazing. That's uh, like beyond amazing. I'm not even trying to cut you off, Anthony. That's like one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. 
So you like, so every day at breakfast, you're like, can we go to Florida? Can we go to America? Can we go to America? Can we go to America? <laughs> and then your mom and dad finally just went, leave me alone, leave me alone. <laughs> well, I, well, they didn't say leave me alone, but I did talk to them a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, the Wanderers have been doing some um, Instagram lives with the, with the players and stuff like that. Um, are, are, are you finding that you're getting an awful lot of tips and what's the best tip you've got so far from one of the players? Um, I think my, the best tip that I've gotten, I'm not sure. Cause there's a lot of great tips. Um, but, uh, Alice, one from Alessandro Riggi and Christian Oxner, um, they did say that everybody should read Relentless, so I'm ordering Relentless now, and I'm really excited to read it. So um, I've ordered Relentless. I'm so excited to read it uh, in this quarantine. But yeah, I'm, I think Relentless will really help my game. So um, tell tell the folks on that are going to be listening uh, what it, what Relentless is and how can they get a copy. Oh, um, sorry. Re- sorry, I may have not said it, but um, Relentless is a book. Uh, Alessandro Rigi and Christian Oxer both recommended it. We got it from Chapters. Chapters, I, I believe. Yeah, Chapters, I believe. Um, so we ordered it. And I'm really excited to read it because I think it will really help my game. But um, it's about mindset. You were talking earlier about your injury. Um, explain to us at a young age, man, how did you deal with that? I know you got great support from your parents, but for yourself, how how did you deal with injuries at a young age? Because I know my mom's going to be listening to this episode, and, and she dealt with me pretty much on the hospital bed after every game. So how did you deal with that tough injury, buddy, and, and what did you learn from it on the other end? Well, I want to start by saying your mom is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) She loves you, man. She loves you. Every time we used to go to the game, she would look for Jack at the very beginning of the games. And like you said, she's amazing, man. She's amazing. I look for her too. (laughs) Um, But I think how I got through it was just knowing at the end of it, um, I wouldn't, I don't think I would get injured again. I just had once... It was really, really hard. Um, yep. like, but there's nothing really you can do about it. You just have to accept it, do the work that you're given, like um, strengthening. And once you're back, you can play as much as you want. So you just have to um, do the strength work. Yep, yep, very important, very important. And one of the things that I didn't do very well was that once I finished an injury, I just kind of jumped right back into playing. And one of the things I did a lot was play through injuries how do you deal with pain? <laughs> That's a funny story because I how I um, fractured my patella was actually, I think I was playing through pain. I didn't realize I fractured my patella at the mm-hmm. time. But um, I had gone hit in the head with the ball and I was trying, I had jumped and I got hit in the head in the ball, with the ball and I landed on all fours and I think my knee was hyperextended. Oh. And I started to limp, but... I thought maybe I was just sore, so I just um, kept going for maybe maybe seven minutes. My coach asked me if I needed to go off, and I was like, "No, I don't. 
I, I don't think so. I think I'm fine. Um, when I was done, I, I had, my parents had to run a few errands and I could hardly walk. Mm. Uh, so I was basically in bed rest for two days <laughs> once I had gone home. So I didn't really like that. <laughs> Can't blame you. Can't blame you, man. I like to be very active. And I don't like having to sit still for too long. Even when I'm even when I'm walking, I'm usually um, having a ball at my feet because mm. it just makes me comfortable. It's all. I also find that if I want to be a pro, the um, ball has to be an extension of my body. I need to get comfortable with it when I'm just walking or anything. But yeah. So did, it, did, did that happen when you were with the Valley, when you were playing with the Valley? Yes, it did yeah. happen when I was playing with Valley. What have you learned um, the most about playing with the Valley? What have you learned the most about the game? Well, my coach, um, it's really, I really had great coaching from them. My, my coach is Angela Morrison. Okay. And she, um, she played professionally as a goalie, so... She, I, I really like getting coached by her because I think she notices a lot mm. and she has a lot of insight in the game. And she always, from a young age, she has taught us little um, tricks to get away from pressure. So like a twist off or, or like a hook turn. Okay. And she's also very positive. And that's like, the, that's the most important that's thing, awesome. man. I mean, when it comes to... When it comes to learning, like I said, I don't need to tell you anything. You're well ahead of me, my friend. But when it comes to learning, determination comes from being positive. And it sounds like you've got a really good head on your shoulders when you were just talking about your injury. And now you're just talking about how Angela left that impact on you through her positivity. So it's really important. And I, I think it's very, very fantastic at your age that you recognize that finding the positive lanes through the game are going to get you through the negative lanes as well. So... Good for you, man. Um, Jack, uh, you mentioned a couple of stories uh, when you were a ball retriever for the yeah. Wanderers. That when the Wanderers play, you get them faster, but when the rival had the ball or throw in or something, you take a little bit of your time. Um, my question to you is basically, what advice would you give to the younger kids like you uh, if they, that they want to be a ball retriever? You know, to have this fantastic opportunity to be. Like the like the wonders. I mean, I know there's a lot of soccer academies that have a, a partnership with the with the wonders to do this. But um, most, uh, let me rephrase my question. Will be more like what uh, what are the the toughest moments? Toughest. I don't know if I'm wording it right. Would be like the most difficult moments as a ball retriever in your game, like where you were nervous the first time. If you can share about these stories. Well. My first time I was nervous, but being a ball retriever was one of the best experiences of my life. <laughs> and I, it's, re it's really fun. Like, sure, it, it can, you can be a little nervous with 6,000 people watching and some professional and you're watching some professional players so close, but you always have to, um, Get out of your comfort zone. You always, you always have to get out of your comfort zone for you to grow. Um, so, like, for me, how I've grown recently is I've gone on um, 
Instagram lives uh, with freestyling just to get more comfortable on the ball because you have to get out of your comfort zone and grow because that's how you grow. <laughs> yes, of course. I like your answer. Keep going. I like it. So we're, we're, we're going yeah, to call we're gonna call you Baby Yoda from now on. It is. Like, this guy is amazing. <laughs> so, I'm Jack, so, <laughs> so, 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 Jack, so, um, so you were talking about motivation and everything. Uh, how do you prepare normally for, for a match when you have to be a ball retriever? Um, the, a few hours before, like, are you super focused? Like, do you have any routine that you normally do, etc.? Um, I don't, I, um, I, I, I eat to, I eat, um, a, I eat a bit before I, I go because you have to get there two hours early and then you're, um, ball retrieving for, for two, for like an hour and a half. So, um, you have to, uh, be, so I just make sure that I'm not like hungry during the game, but I wouldn't say that I have like a particular schedule that I always follow. That's like. If you don't do this, you aren't going to bother too well. Like, I don't think I have one of those. Um, I try and um, eat enough and stay focused. Uh, I try and eat enough and stay focused during uh, while I'm waiting. But I don't think I really have any um, thing that I have, have to do that if I don't do it, I'm going to totally, th I'm going to do badly. I'm going to throw it up in the air too high for someone. <laughs> <laughs> right on what about what about for a match jack like is there any kind of like pre-game routine that you have before you're getting ready for a match like do you have any superstitions or anything uh for when i'm playing yeah for when you're playing um i tr i try and eat light and i also try and listen to some music that will make me feel confident determined um and get it and getting ready. Really sounds just like I, me, man. Also, something that really helps me is my mom and my dad give me three keys for the match. Um, it's, it's interesting you say that, that your parents give you goals. Is that something that they do with everything in your life or is it just soccer? Do they just let you kind of have that freedom with everything in your life and kind of focus you with soccer or is it the other way around? Um, they definitely give me uh, tips for soccer, but... Um, they will give me pointers if I, um, just for something, if I want help with something or if I, or if I'm trying to get better, because my mom will often give me pointers on how to make my bottom dancing better because I bottom dance competitively. I saw that, so, man, and you definitely got the rhythm, brother. <laughs> thank you. So, uh, Jack, so you've done something that a lot of the players uh, for the Wanderers haven't done yet, and that's uh, be on the pitch in front of the home crowd. Well, what, what tips would you give to the players um, that are going to be making their debut uh, this year? Um, I think when, when that you have to make a debut is that you have to... Um, you, ha you should do what makes you feel... Um, comfortable before the game and then you have to be confident 
um, going into the dressing room, train, um, you have to work hard in the warm up so you're warmed up, you're ready for a game. And something that I, that my coach, um, Anto always tells me is you have to be quick starter. So I think it's important that if you're quick starters, you can win a game. Because if you're quick starters and your mind is on before the other team, they're, they're, you're, you're going to dictate the tempo and the other team is going to have to, um, the other team is going to have to follow your tempo because you're going to be dictating the tempo. You're going to be um, telling them what the game is going to be like. So I think um, you should do that. So so what should they do to uh, calm their nerves? Because playing in front of 6,000 people, some of them haven't done that. So you've, you've done that. You've been on the, side of, uh, on the sideline in front of 6,000 people. So uh, what advice would you give them to calm their nerves? You should just enjoy because it's not going to be every day that you're going to um, play against playing from 6,000 people. Just enjoy it. Take it in um, because when you're tired, you're going to remember that fondly saying, wow, I played against 6,000 people. That was one of the best experiences of my life. That's awesome. Um, what do you think of the, the new home jersey? Are you a fan? Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I'm a fan. Um, I did a kid review and I placed it number one because I thought it was so original because of the sound waves. <laughs> um, I love how um it's light blue and then it kind of fades into that um into the sound waves. I think that's so cool and original. Yeah, I saw. I saw the video you you did on. Uh, it's on your YouTube channel. Where where can people find the YouTube channel? What's the? How do they find it? Uh, you have to write on YouTube Jack Murray TV. But if you do it like Jack space Murray space TV space, um, you're not going to find it. It has to be one word or else it won't show. <laughs> That's something that I think maybe um, some people do and then they don't find it. You have to write it one word or else it won't show up. Okay. That's a good tip. Um, very, very have... smart. <laughs> he's already got a marketing like he's, he's already ahead of his marketing major. Big time. Cool. <laughs> uh, you, you also have your um, your blog, CPL Fever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wh- wh- when did that start and uh, what, what made you decide to start your own blog? Well, what made me start was um, uh, I, I, love, I love the CPL. And I thought that there it wasn't too, too much content on the whole CPL uh, that maybe I should start a blog with my dad. And I kind of do the videos on my YouTube channel, but the blog, but I do the blog. So I've been starting, um, I did uh, some of the blog posts that I'm starting to do is alt, um, the Wanderers Ultimate XI and, and, yeah, so I just, I really like talking about the CPL because it makes me happy. I love talking about soccer. Um, if it's your passion, why not put uh, write about it? You're, you're full of, of wisdom, yeah. <laughs> such a young age. It's just such a joy to talk to you. Um, it, it's been great so far, this interview. I really like it. Um, thank you for, for being in this show again, Jack. We really appreciate it. Um, I have a question too for you. Um, in regards to blog, 
Um, do you uh, do you prepare this uh, with your dad? Like, how how, how you can you tell us more about your process of writing an article? Do you how do you feel inspired um, to write about? I like to write. Um, I, I, I look at the um, team that has the newest stuff that's going on that um, I think people would be the most interested in. So I write about that usually. Um, I find the stuff that I think is trending in the CPL and then I write about it. And that's just my opinion. I, I just try and find what I think is trending. And if I think it's trending, maybe other people will think it's trending. And then, you know. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great. You're doing a great job. I have any questions, Anthony or Chris? Oh, go ahead, Roddy. Sorry. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm homeschooled, so I kind of write for my writing. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of having to do a class on writing or like just write, I can write about soccer. Great. So since you love um, soccer and you, you want to be a pro, would you consider probably like, a, have, like being a pro in soccer and also perhaps after being a journalist, like maybe you could be a sports journalist, whoever knows, you know, the sky is the limit. Yeah, after soccer, I was thinking more, um, I that is a good idea, but I was thinking more commentary or um, going into coaching. My man. Wow, that's great. That's great. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great answer, man. That's a great answer. Um, I, I have a couple more questions for you, brother. Um, and and I actually follows up with Carlos's question. Um, with school, like what's your favorite subjects in school, man? I know that soccer is your life, but soccer isn't everything. And one of the ways that you can become a professional soccer player is through your education. I know you're a young man, um, but what are some of the things in school that really, um, really keeps you going What's some of the things that really keep you interested in the stuff that you might want to study on once you get a little bit older in university? I love history. Um, okay. I love mythology. Ooh. I like I like hearing about the past. Um, well, I like hearing about the past and the past wars because I think it's um, quite interesting to learn about it, especially mythology, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, Norse mythology. Um, yeah, I, I I need to read up on my Celtic mythology, but yeah. I also like reading a lot. I really like reading fantasy fiction. Good for you, man. Good for you. Well, you were just talking earlier about picking up a book, and it kind of took me aback because there's not a lot of kids. I, I can't even say kids. There's not even a lot of adults my age. I'm 31 myself, and I don't know many people my age who still read books. So the fact that you were taking the advice of the players to read a book, man, it, it, it goes to show that you're a sponge, sponge of knowledge and, and you're taking people's advice. So... You're definitely on the right track. And and on that, I saw that you also went to FSA. I was wondering, were you coached by Eduardo or Tyler by chance? I was actually coached by both. And the Ferris Soccer Academy yep. is such, such, such a great soccer academy. Awesome. And um, they really break things. They really break things down so you understand. They really... um they give you really good technique and they focus on ball mastery as well. Yeah. They're um, also quite, they're also really positive and I've, and all of the coaches are, are amazing. Um, 
like um like Tyler, Eduardo, Mariah, Jose, Oliver, uh, Ben, um, Wendy, all of them. They're just so amazing. That's awesome, man. Shout them all out. That's fantastic. And and I wanted to bring that up just because I, Eddie, Eddie and Tyler have both been a big, big part of my life growing up as well. Um, Eddie is a wealth of soccer knowledge. If you ever need anything in life, Eddie's the guy to lean on. But when it comes to soccer, he is the guy to lean on. Um, and when it comes to Tyler, he's so multifaceted in every sport, but he's one of the best coaches in multiple sports that I've ever seen as well. So it's really cool to see that you were inspired by both of them. Were there any teammates or anybody that we need to keep an eye on alongside Jack Murray growing up over the next couple of years? Um, well, I just wanted to say, um, since you're talking about Tyler, I'm actually in his elite team. So we're doing challenges right now. And yes, he's a great coach. Um, if you tell, you tell Tyler, you tell Tyler that Chris said, hello. Okay. Uh, I also wanted to um, say um, Jesse Lord. Okay. Joe Peralta. Okay. Um, and um, there are so many great soccer players on my elite team. Uh, like um, Cohen. Uh, Cohen. There's just so, so many. Jimmy. Maggie, all of these amazing, amazing soccer players. Sophie, Noah, they're all these un- amazing soccer players. Yeah, good for you, man. Good for you. That's that's. It's important to know that the people around you, they're, they're, they're all kind of striving for the same goal as you, but as long as you can do it with them, with positive energy, and you've got it in an abundance, my man, you're going to go places, brother. So. I also wanted to say Logan. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Shout out to Logan, too. We can't forget about Logan. Definitely can't forget about Logan. I only got one more question for you, brother, just because I'm really interested in this because growing up, I played the same position. You say you're an yeah. inverted winger. Yes. And growing up, one of my biggest issues with being an inverted winger, and we were talking about being able to draw fouls and stuff, was that I would treat my body kind of terribly, and I would dive into tackles and and I would try to make you know my try to try to make my game for the team even though it didn't really work for the team I thought it was what are some of the things in your game as an inverted winger that kind of puts you in check because it's such an important position to have patience to have composure what do you do when you're training in that position to make sure that you're a hundred percent um, well, I think that if you're an inverted winger and you want to cut inside, you have to be explosive. You have to be like Arjen Robin. Yep. Um, he's retired now, but he used to play for Bayern Munich. Yep. But he, he would make um, fullbacks or any defenders um, really eat his dust. <laughs> he would um, cut inside because even though everyone knew he was going to go on his left foot, you still couldn't stop him. Yeah. Nobody could stop him. And he was just great, a great inverted winger, an, an absolute great inverted winger. But you have to be explosive. And you have to be explosive. But also, if you're going to def- – when you're defending as an inverted winger, uh, I something that FSA taught me is that you don't want to dive in. You want to be a moving wall. 
So uh, you, yes. you want to make wait for them to take a heavy touch or a touch that's a bit big, and you can take it from them. That's actually good advice because I he he's passed away since, but my coach Brian Gowan actually used to tell me, as if, if you're defending as an inverted winger, be a pylon until you have to act. And like you said, one of the most important things is to just be aware of what a heavy touch looks like and being aware of what a heavy touch looks like for certain players because I remember playing against some players. They could take that heavy touch and still beat you to the ball where there were other players who would take the heavy touch and then they would look to hit you physically. So I guess like you were talking about your injuries earlier. Does, does that still stick with you at all or are you kind of past that now? Injuries, um, if my if my knee is getting sore, I will stop. Smart or man. my hamstring, for that matter. Yeah. Because um, I also pulled my hamstring. Uh, I was out for eight weeks. But um, I do still tape my knee. So I tape it. Um, so I wouldn't – so I just – that just makes me really comfortable when I tape my knee that I know it will most likely not um, hurt or anything. Uh, so I do just do that for, um, preca- for precaution. Yeah. Precaution. Yeah, and that's good for, um, it's good for you mentally too because like you were saying, when you have to be explosive – and with that explosiveness, what I was saying to you at the beginning, sometimes the fouls come in and out mentally knowing that that could come and mentally knowing that you might get hurt, but not to worry about getting hurt is very important. So good for you for having that prep, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, Jack, uh, where can people find you on social media, bud? Um, I have YouTube, a blog, and um uh, an Instagram. So on YouTube, it's Jack Murray TV, all one word. Um, on the blog, it's cplfever.ca, and on on Instagram, it's Jack Murray TV, one word. So, awesome. Yeah. Um, def- people should definitely check it out because there's some uh, serious skill going on there. So, um, I just want to thank you for for joining us, buddy. Um, really appreciate you taking the time out away from your your skill videos <laughs> to, to talk, to talk, uh, to talk football with us. It was uh, definitely fascinating. You've got a, a great head on your shoulders and um, people should watch this space because I'm pretty sure we're going to see you in a Wanderers jersey someday. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It, it's a, it's, it's been a great experience just doing this. I love no, talking about soccer. <laughs> oh, we all do, man. That's why we. That's why we do this. And you definitely um, know what you're talking about, man. Thank you. So, um, we're, you guys we're, do too. You, all of you guys, really know what you're talking about. Thank you to Mario and Jack for joining us on this episode. Also, cheers to regular contributors Carlos and Chris. Want to shout out our listeners for checking out the show. We really do appreciate your support. A uh, big thank you to Armchair Commentary for sponsoring the second part of the show. Make sure to check them out. We have our interview with LBG available on Friday, so make sure to check that out. It's an awesome interview. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, stay safe, wash your hands, and cheers. Cheers.